This is new for me. I feel like this is like an Adam Carolla or like Joe Rogan moment here with the mic, but it's all good. Um, Hey, really excited about the coming days. Wanted just to bring you up to speed on a couple things. This is a new season for us as we've expanded our team a little bit and just wanted to let you know, kind of as we get into September, just a few few of those changes. One, many of you know, Sonia is somewhere here. There you are. Um, Sonia is uh, really taking charge of all our administration and our, our Sunday gatherings here at Praxis. And so she just helps kind of organize things, get people in teams, and has just done a wonderful job so far. Um, really thankful for Sonia. If you need or want to get involved in any way in making some of the things kind of happen here in our gatherings and beyond, uh, it's a bit of a process, and so we'd love to get you involved in scheduling and getting some things going with that. Right now, there's obviously a kids team as well uh, taking care of our kids. We do have childcare for um, children up to grade four right now, which is awesome. And so if you have children and you want to access that, it's just down the hall at the very end. And um, what we're kind of anticipating for the fall is that children uh, in JK, SK, and grade one can be checked in right at the beginning. If you have children in grade two, three, and four, along with our students, which I'll talk about in a minute, they will be checked. uh, They're going to kind of go to their stuff uh, after the kind of the music as we kind of get going. So at four minutes of family, they can go to their experience as well. We'll talk more about that in a minute as well as, as far as our students. But really excited. So um, it, we take some work like hosting and we um, are just, you know, d- the day-to-day work, sound and media stuff. We're trying to keep things pretty light here, but it also takes uh, work. So if you want to join in with us, that's amazing. Um, many of you know Heidi Collins, which is great. Um, Heidi has not only been a key part of our board and our team over the last several years, but she really took initiative just out of herself just to kind of uh, get things, some things going with students, junior high and high school students. And so we partner right now with Village Green Church. It starts tomorrow at, I'm a good parent, seven, seven o'clock to nine o'clock over at Village Green. They have a great evening together on Monday nights. For those of you that are in that age group of grade five to grade 12, we will also be having, not every week, but um, a couple times a month, uh, working in, again, like we were pre-pandemic, there's gonna be youth teaching and kind of a community out in the foyer during the teaching here a couple times a month, and we're excited about that. We do need some people to join in if, if you want to in that and maybe hopping on a team. It's a video curriculum, and uh, but we just need some help in directing that, and Heidi's doing a great job. So thankful for you, Heidi. Uh, am I missing anything? I'm sure I am. This is part- Yes, so, yeah, so you get to go eat breakfast and hang out during the teaching part next week. And so I'm going to find somebody else to do the teaching, and I'll come down with you. How's that, how's that sound? That's great. And then um, we've hired Lexi Graham as well. Newly engaged Lexi Graham, which is great. Well done. Um, and Lexi's going to be helping, uh, just overseeing our music, and kind of the music that happens here week to week. And so if you'd like to get involved with that at all, uh, reach out to Lexi. I'll continue to build teams as we kind of look into our future. So really excited about that. Excited for you, Lexi. And um, so if you want to be involved, uh, connect with her. And we'd love to get you plugged in. With all that said, how are we doing? Deep breath. Um, You know, this beautiful turn uh, in 2022 to communities has been wonderful. First Sunday of every month, gathering together in homes, turning our chairs in and 
doing life together. It's been beautiful to see some pictures and just the life togetherness, if that's a word, uh, over the last several months. And so we're anticipating that again and looking ahead to some things. One of the things that we're looking to is on Thanksgiving weekend, we will not be in this room on um, Sunday morning, but instead, like we did a few years ago, we're going to do a long table again on the Friday night. And so really excited to re-engage that. Um, it's just in the works. Obviously, po- post-COVID here, we're sorting some details out, but wanted to let you know it will be the Friday evening at 6 o'clock. That's all we have for now. We want to see the level of interest before uh, making some decisions. And so uh, if you would, something's going to go to you this week about our Thanksgiving long table. What's the date on that Friday? Anybody? So, thank you. The 7th. Friday the 7th, 6 o'clock. And it, we hope that you could register for that to let us know that you're coming so that we can kind of decide some things as to where we'd like to host this. Uh, it's a be- I can't say it enough. 2019 when we did it, it was just the best. It was the best. And so great evening together just to kick back, hang out together. We have a full turkey meal. People bring stuff. It's beautiful. So we want to let you know that now because time goes quick. And uh, we want to make sure that you're aware that if you can uh, make it with us on that Friday evening, it's going to be a great time. Other than that, I think we're just going to, what we're going to do is take some time and jump into uh, our theme for September. If you have a Bible and you want to open it with me, you can open up to Mark chapter 1. If you have a Bible, the plan for the next four weeks, three weeks uh, of September is to re-engage this thing called the gospel. So much gospel talk, right? So many assumptions, I think, in our moment and in our culture as to what the gospel is. And what we want to do over the next three weeks is take some time. Today, we're just going to look at what did Jesus mean When he talked about the gospel, we're calling this series the Good News Revolution, because in many ways, this is what Jesus brought. Uh, It was a lot different than people anticipated and thought in their moment. And I think of anything and all the shifts culturally for us, I think actually the good news, the gospel is a lot different than what many of us have anticipated in culture, but also in the church, right? We have counter gospels even in the church, whether it's around prosperity or health and wealth or um, this picture and vision of God kind of as my slot machine. The actual, the real gospel message that Jesus brought really pushes against these things. So the goal is today, look at what Jesus says about the gospel. Next week, we're going to look at how the call for the church is actually to become the gospel. That in word, indeed, the church community together is not just to come and watch something, but we're a community of people that gather together and actually, the, the, there's actually, the word gospel is used in verbiage form as gospeling. That one thing the church does is we gospel together. And so you and I could actually be a part of something that actually reflects to the world what Jesus embodied in his teaching. And then three weeks from today, or two weeks from today, sorry, in week three, we're going to look at kind of counter-gospels in our moments, different types of narratives that kind of want to draw us in because they're out there. And just as a way to kind of recenter ourselves into this moment that God has for us as a community, reminding ourselves of what Jesus has called us to. Sound like a plan? We'll let you, you can leave now. We may judge you because we are a church if you leave. Just joking. That was terrible. Um, let's do this. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 
Jesus says this. So think of all that, for especially some of you Sunday school kids. Um, I was joking, by the way. We'd never judge you. Um, uh, think of Jesus, all his teachings. Think for some of you the flannel board. Um, what's kind of been presented to us. This is Jesus at the very beginning of Mark's gospel. Mark is like my favorite gospel in his approach. Specifically because he's dealing with the Roman Empire a lot. And the kind of the counter the counter world that is going on in the first century. Jesus gets on the scene. Listen to what he says. He says this. It says, after John, verse 14, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what Jesus says. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. This word repent just means to turn. Like it's a 180. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus gets on the scene. Interesting, I just, the thing I want you to catch here is he's already, what is he doing? He's proclaiming the gospel right away. Actually, flip over if you have time. I'm just going to read it. Luke chapter 4 is another snapshot at the beginning of the gospels. Different writer, Luke, different bent on some things, but Jesus is going, he's teaching, he's doing his thing. And in verse 42 of, of Luke 4, it says, at daybreak... I love this. Jesus went out into a solitary place and the people were looking for him. And when they came to him, he was uh, when they came to him where he was, sorry, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So the crowds come. Don't leave Jesus. But Jesus said, I must proclaim what? The good news, the euangelion, the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And what did he do? He kept on preaching in the synagogue of Judea. Fascinating here. This is what I want you to catch. Are we? It feels like I'm at the Mandarin with a little bit of music. I feel like a... Is it gone? No, it's good. Um, um, One of the things... Sorry, so many things going on in my brain today. It's good. Good to have... uh, Good to be together. Um... You know, one of the things I want you to catch in uh, a kind of a macro kind of vision of what Jesus is doing here is we in the Western context have very much made the gospel about forgiveness of sins. So if you ask most people in the church, the gospel to us now in the Western world has been kind of, I'll use the word, it's kind of been whittled down to, hey, Jesus came, he died for your sins, And with that has kind of been quick. You need to repent of your sins so that you can go to heaven when you die. The issue with this, and I really want you to catch this. The issue with this is that Jesus is proclaiming the gospel before what? Before any cross, before any death, before any resurrection. Now, the death, burial, and resurrection, resurrection is a big thing. Can we just nod our heads? This is the center point. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Just fascinating. Some of us maybe haven't thought through that the gospel is actually, Jesus is proclaiming the gospel before he goes to the cross. And it shows us that maybe in the Western world, how we've whittled things down into one simple little thing, we've missed the greater grand narrative of what God is doing in the world. 
that the gospel to Jesus was actually something massive. It was this great story. Um, I love Matthew Bates. Many, many of you know I've used a lot of his content. I'll give much credit to him and his work. He's an academic, and he really felt compelled through this, this whole kind of quick push to have people just like, hey, you got to get into heaven when you die. He began to dissect what the gospel writers actually meant about the gospel. This is his definition. I just, I think, a beautiful picture of what God does in the world. The gospel is this, that Jesus is the saving king. And he pre-existed with God the Father. So by the way, Paul always pointed to Jesus' pre-existence as part of the great story, the good news. In accordance with God's promises, Jesus became human in the line of David. So that Jesus' line is actually a big part of like where he came from is actually a big part. The Old Testament is a big part of the gospel. He died for our sins, of course, was buried and was resurrected on the third day. He was seen. He was installed as king at God's right hand, sent the spirit and will return to rule. Come on, somebody. That, friends, I believe, is a beautiful articulation of the full gospel. This is what Jesus was proclaiming. And a lot of it has to do with Israel's story and that Jesus would be the one that would come to fulfill it. Are you out there? You with me? All I want, there's no, by the way, there's no test at the end, right? There's no, please just take a deep breath. There's no test at the end. You don't, we don't have to memorize this. I know it can kind of feel like a lot. The thing I want us to catch and feel deep down in our bones is the reality that it is the full story. Jesus preexisted with the Father. He took on human flesh. He fulfilled God's promises. He was in the line of David. Of course, again, he died for sins according to the scriptures. Paul talks about this. He was buried. He went into the ground. He was raised. But it doesn't stop there. He appeared to man, is seated at the right hand of God in power and authority. And the whole story then compels us to believe that part of the gospel is that we are progressing somewhere. You and I are moving towards a new heaven and a new earth where Jesus will come again and judge. So you hear me talk a lot. A lot of shifting in the church, I get it. A lot of doubt, a lot of questioning, for sure. Through COVID, through the political moments we've been in, totally get it. Brothers and sisters, why am I, I can at least speak for myself, why am I still here because of this? I, guys, I believe this with everything. That this is the great story that we're called into. It's massive and beautiful. And we're going to talk next week. It calls in a deep and beautiful and profound way our participation as a community of people. That this is earth-shattering and life-changing and as dysfunctional sometimes as humans can be. And I'll speak for myself. As dysfunctional as I can be and I bring my baggage to community. And as sometimes hard as church can be. I lean into this and I look at this and I go, God, you are, you've done something in the world to redeem and to save. And you're doing something. You're taking us somewhere. And it's beautiful. And yes, there's pain and there's suffering in the moment. But this is the gospel. The one, I think one of the best ways to look at this, you've heard me talk about really the story of God as a five-act play. Another way to think about it is simply this. Good news. Bad news good news, right? Good news. One of the things we have to re-engineer our minds is in all that we see around us that's kind of disoriented and kind of dysfunctional at times, 
is the fact that God created this world good. Actually, the the Hebrew writer, I've learned this more, the Hebrew writer, when you read Genesis 1, the Hebrew writer wants us to feel it over and over in the cadence of the Hebrew language that it is good. All of God's creation is good. Humans are together under the rule and reign of God. The earth is flourishing. Humans together in relationship together, uh, mutually serving each other. One of the pictures we get is that... um, that they're helpers to each other in this great, beautiful marriage, this one fleshness as they're brought together. You know, this is before we see in Genesis 3 the breakdown of um, he will rule over you and a sense of chauvinism that comes into the world and dominance. Some of the dysfunction when it comes to work and to toil and to blood and to sweat and to tears. Before any of that, one of the things we're shaped on in our minds and our hearts as Jesus followers is we go back to what was good. God's creation, everything around us, is good. Um, you know this, most of you. Like, how long did that last? Right? Like, two pages, right? We get a pretty epic vision of God's plan for the world that humans would multiply and flourish. Um, Eden, the garden, is seen as God's first temple. Temple language, the beauty of that moment. We could talk all day about that. But we also know that there's bad news. And in our story, and I call it our story because as followers of Jesus, we lean into the Hebrew creation story as something that we reflect on and look back to. It shows a picture of disorientation, of bad news. The serpent comes in right into the story, deceives proto-humans, Adam and Eve, read the story, read it this afternoon. It's fascinating, and I've said this lots. It's fascinating to me that the Satan, the enemy, didn't use like a bazooka or a gun he didn't hold proto-human Adam and Eve like knife point trying to get him to do, get, get them to do his will. What did he use? Lies, right? Deception. It's actually really genius. Like, you can use physical force, but the slow, deceptive way in which the Satan works brings disorientation into our moment. Good news, bad news. And here's one of the things we have to wrestle through is do we believe that there's bad news to get to good news? I know we kind of live in a utopian moment in some ways in in, uh, the world we live in. We have more, especially in our city and context, we have more resources and money and things at our fingertips than ever. We're educated. We have this thing called an iPhone in our pocket. It's beautiful. Like there's some things that are really great about it. Uh, I set my fantasy football lineup right before the gathering this morning. Life is good, okay? But who do I play? Who do I play this week? Okay, it's all good. I forget who I play. Dan, yes, thank you, thank you. I just need to remind myself. Okay. Uh, We live in a beautiful world. But one of the things we have to grapple with and wrestle through is are we convinced on some of the bad news? There's a social worker, wonderful teacher um, who is very influential in our culture and writes many books. And they, uh, a few years ago, were doing a talk. And basically, the premise of the talk is you and I aren't broken. We don't need to be fixed. Humans, like the, the, the posture, even psychologically, and I, you know, I'm in this world, the posture is, hey, we are not broken. We, we don't, don't need to be fixed as humans as kind of a, a talk around empathy. And by the way, I believe in empathy. We'll talk uh, you know, about that, I'm sure, at some point. But it was fascinating 
because I saw the revoices and the retweets around this idea. As humans, we got to be careful to be telling each other we're, we're broken and we need to be fixed. And yet most of those voices that were retweeting and revoicing this idea had a deep longing for social justice. How do you reconcile that? Right? And I know this author, this professor, this doctor, wonderful person, very passionate about social justice. But the question is, which one is it? There's no, if we're not broken and we don't need to be fixed, then there's no social justice. You out there? It's not rocket science. And the signs of the times would just lead us to believe that one of the things we do have to grapple with in ourselves is that we are broken. Uh, the question we pose a lot around here, and you hear me pose it, is like, how are things going for us? As much as on one hand we talk about kind of the utopian society that's kind of being created, on the other hand, there's more injustice than we've ever seen, especially over the last few years. We are broken and need to be fixed. We are longing. There's something within us that is longing for reconciliation, to be, to, to be brought into relationship, to be, to be healed from our brokenness. And so that's why I say when we talk about social justice, you're looking at somebody who is very passionate about uh, justice initiatives. And if you talk to Heather and you sat us down, we've, we've always been engaged in these things. But it's hard to come from that posture if we don't think there's brokenness around us. We'll open our eyes and look at the signs of the times. And then that leads us to the good news. That Jesus isn't just trying to come and get a bunch of souls into heaven. He wants to heal us as image bearers at our very core. And he's not just trying to get us into some other place. But the gospel, again, is part of this. He's sitting at God's right hand and he will come to judge again. He will come to bring all things together. This, my friends, is the gospel. Yes, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Center point. Let's go, baby. Obviously. Amazing. Yes. But part of the gospel message is that Jesus, how, how many Christians maybe miss that heaven is coming to earth and Jesus is going to reign here and he's going to bring his healing. He's bringing his healing on us now if we submit our lives to him. But there will be a day where this whole place will be renewed. Can we get a little off script too, by the way? Just in this is personal, this is no scripture and verse for this. I actually think this world, this is just Drew Fest, okay, disclaimer. I really do think this world will be healed and renewed and there will be images and signs of even our own city, but the curse will be lifted. Brokenness will be lifted. I want to live in London. Like when I say forever, we say Byron for life. We mean Byron for life. Just think of the Sandlot, forever, right? This is a massive layer. And so what it does is it changes us and it re-engineers us to say, okay, yes, we have this message, this salvation message as the center point of the gospel. But remember, Jesus pre-existed with the Father and he will reign forever. And I think one of the things we just need to be reminded about as we kind of think about the gospel is how, and you hear me say this a lot, how upside down and foreign it would have been in the ancient Roman Empire and how crazy it is to lean into this story in 2022. You could be at brunch, like think right now, you could be at brunch, brunch mosas, just kicking back, 
You could be doing whatever, preparing for fantasy football. You could be doing whatever you want. And yet there's a sense that in this room, this good news is moving and working within us. Um, I'm not a huge music guy. Uh, still living out the pain of having a conservatory teacher as a mom. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm in therapy for that. It's all good. It's good. But uh, it's, I think it's Brian and Katie Tolward. They just came up with this new worship album. And we were listening to it uh, on a drive the other day. One of the lines in this song says, wouldn't it be like you, and obviously this is Jesus, wouldn't it be like you to be different than what we thought? The line goes on, the, the chorus goes, different not just than what we thought, but different than what we want, but better. You're better. Right? This is, this, this is the Jesus story. Wouldn't it be like you, Jesus, to be different than we thought? Just think of the first century. They were waiting, Israel was, on the edge of their seat for a, a, a Jewish zealot conqueror who would just come in in force. Take everybody out. Caesar's been oppressive for years. Alexander the Great, go back to the Persians, the Medes, if you just know the story. Israel is always under oppression. So how do you get out from under this oppression? You pick up the sword and you follow the powerful, mighty Messiah. And what does he do? talk in a couple weeks, comes in on into the city of Jerusalem with a small group, by the way. I know we get images in the Jesus book Bible and all that, that there's like the line that the, they were, the, the roads were laced with people coming into Jerusalem. It's probably a smaller group than we think, and he's on a, the foal of a donkey, right? Laughable, that's how this king comes. Not with golden fleece diapers, where's my Ricky Bobby fans, right? In a barn out, out the back where there's no room amongst the animals. Oh, but you know, like when he gets older, man, he's gonna, you know, exert that force, like sneaky good. Start out maybe a little humble, but you know, end up in Herod's palace. By the way, Herod, Herod King Herod, the puppet king of the Jews, if you were to go to, into the area at that time, had all these massive uh, palaces that he would look over certain regions from. Overcompromising, yeah, a little bit. People would look up and see, and yet even the Jewish community knew that this guy was a puppet. He was just in power to appease Caesar. And Jesus doesn't climb for the palace. He humbly lays himself down on a cross. Guys, this good, all, all I can do is get up again and say that this good news is better than we ever thought. It really is. You know, and I appreciate this. I appreciate this. You know, this is a season and time where churches right now, you know, it's kind of launch Sunday. A lot of churches use that language. And that's, that's great. Beautiful language. Like launch Sunday. Kind of, I've heard churches use like back to church Sunday, which is always a little interesting. Uh, we can talk about that another time. You know, this is kind of the focus for a lot of church communities. It's September. We're back together. And, and it's kind of, kind of time to launch. But as I get thinking about even this teaching and about what we're leaning into, We've just kind of been at this. We're not really launching. We are leaning in as disciples to this news that we celebrate and we wrestle through and we pour out on each other as a community over and over and over. Sometimes in our language, when we talk about the next best thing or the launch or whatever, we want to make it shiny and beautiful and like, how can we get people in and you get a car and you get an Easter egg drop and you know, like all these things. None of, none of it is bad in and of itself. But then I think about this, I think about this. 
And I think we just continue on, brothers and sisters. This is really good news. And this will be hard for a lot of people with all that's gone. And this this isn't isn't an us and them kind of statement, but it's true. This is sometimes hard to grab a hold of. And yet this is what we lean into as a community. Jesus the King preexisted with the Father. He took on human flesh in the line of David, died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, was buried on that day, was raised on the third day. He appeared to many. He's seated at the right hand of God in power and authority, and he will come to make all things new. Wouldn't it be like you, Jesus, to be different than I thought, right? Different even than sometimes, if we're honest, in our own propensity to like want certain things and climb the ladder and be successful. Different, Jesus, than what we want. But as I, I look at that line in the song, but better. You with me? Better. This is better news. This is a better story that we're caught up than we could ever think of. And what we do today, in a minute, we're going to come to the tables. We just celebrate something we celebrate all the time. Calling the church into life with God. Reminding ourselves of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Reminding ourselves uh, next week the part that we get to play as the church community. It's better. It's better. Why don't we stand up? The tables are open at the back. Mahima and Lexi and the team are going to lead us. Um, If you're new with us, we just do this every single week. We come to the tables as a way to remember remember Jesus' work and his power. There's little emblems. It's kind of like COVID-friendly emblems back there with a little thing of juice and some bread. And I know it's kind of maybe small and, and packaged, but... It's a reminder for us, and one of the reasons why we move to the table is we give ourselves opportunity to actually move our bodies in worship. Coming to the table, reminding ourselves that Jesus is king and he is inviting us to his table. His death, his burial, his resurrection, his body broken for us, yes. But as we move to this table, and again, these little emblems, it's also a reminder to us That no matter, listen, no matter what we're going through, I get it. Like we talk about this good news and there's pain in the room. There's stress and anxiety. There's school and, you know, just things that we think about in our lives. The overwhelmingness sometimes of our lives. Yet the the table is a reminder for us that Jesus is inviting us, not to just the table this morning, but to a future reality with him. So these guys are going to lead us, move to the table, take the emblems as part of our clothes this morning, and um, it'll be a way in which we get to say as the Jesus community, this is how, how we're, we're living. We're moving towards the table, remembering you, Jesus. So let's sing together, and uh, you move there when you feel good and feel ready. Let's sing.